I wanna welcome each and every one of you back to our series entitled Home for Christmas. We're talking about the set of relationships that we care about the most, but many times feel like we're missing the target or we're under-equipped to deliver in those relationships. We're talking about our families, we're talking about our homes. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus could have come anyway. He could have come to us on that first Christmas in any way, but he was born into a family so that Jesus could come as one of us and he gives us that demonstration and model to help us in our families as well. I wanna look in the camera there, welcome our McKinney campus joining us, our Hazlitt campus, maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus, all of those that are joining us online. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. We're gonna look at verse 27. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and watch that because I laid a foundation for the topic that we're talking about in the area of the home. We're looking at one of the promises of Christmas. It's, it's, it's not even possible in one service or one message to look at all the things that Jesus brought to us, so many things that he brought, so many uh, things that are defined by who he is as he comes into our lives. But we're looking at one of the areas that I think is one of our greatest desires, and that is we're talking about peace in your home. And, and I know by the feedback and the response and just you know, because I'm a pastor, I'm not just some kind of itinerant speaker, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm with people, I, I, I don't know about you, but maybe this week, from last week, as we talked about peace and peace in the home and having the peace of Jesus, maybe you saw that in your own life, I know I did in just relationships and people, and so I know we're touching a nerve there of something that you desire a lot. In fact, that's why we do this Christmas stuff, is we're looking maybe with that special meal, with that kid that comes home, with that looking at Christmas lights or that special time that we have where we're looking for this moment of peace where siblings are in good relationship, where marriage, and we're, we're looking for that merry, joy-filled, peace-filled moment. And so that's why we just keep adding to this Christmas thing, all these things that we just keep adding on and we're looking for that peace. And I find that a lot of people, what happens is this time of year with the added events and the added pressure and the desire to make it just right, what actually happens is we find ourselves experiencing the opposite of what we're trying to pursue and we get frustrated because it's like I'm trying to do all this to have some joy and peace, but I'm not really hitting the target, and what do I do about that? And last week, we laid a foundation for it. This week, I wanna help you even more practically, and at the end of the message, I just wanna get to some real practicals, but I, again, wanna lay a little more foundation about this idea of, of peace. I, I believe the greatest gift I could give you as a pastor, as I prayed for you this Christmas, would be to help you experience more peace in your home, more peace. I, I don't know that there's anybody that wouldn't say, I'll take that gift at my house. More peace, less strife, less busyness, less stress, less weight, 
By the way, all the things of Christmas don't necessarily create the lack of peace. It's just the added pressure actually reveals maybe some of the stuff that's actually been there. So actually, we've got to dig down deep a little bit in our souls and just look to see, okay, where does peace really come from? Is that even possible? How could I really experience that? Here's what I found is that it's one of those times of year where most people have some sense of openness to you connecting them to something related to the plan of God. And I just wanna just get you to invite your family, maybe them coming in town. You may have been praying for some of them. You know, I don't know, bribe them, drug them, trick them. Uh, you know, I don't know. Say we're going to look at Christmas lights, pull them in the church, drag them in. I don't know, do something. But I, I see every year in these settings God does something special. I'm gonna ask you to begin praying for those services. It's gonna be a powerful time. But Christmas is that time where we want peace at our home, but again, we have all of these things. Well, I'll tell you one of my Christmas peace robbers is Christmas lights. My wife is like the Christmas decor person. I'm, I'm resisting the blow up Santa stuff out front. I'm, I'm resisting the movable reindeer. I'm like, we're not doing that. That's more stuff. That's more stuff to clean up. It's just, I know, I got like a little Grinch spirit up on me, but it's just like I, back in the day, I'd have to help try to put the lights up. I'm not even good with that. Caleb, my son, got electrocuted one year. It's just like everything, you know, it's, it's Griswoldish. You know what I'm saying? It is. I mean, it's like, and so now we have some people set it up, and then the last couple of years, there's been like electrical issues, maybe because we got too many lights, I don't know, but maybe there's something, maybe an electrician in the church or something, but they, they could help me, but I'm not good at that, and plugged it in, and, and I didn't know this, but the breaker tripped and my freezer went out for two weeks. It's been hot this Christmas. And I'm getting like a real Grinch spirit about my freezer when I'm having to clean all my stuff out of my freezer. And, and the devil stole my turducken. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know what a turducken is. It's a boneless turkey with a duck, with a chicken. And Pastor JP, our executive pastor, is Cajun, and his wife cooks me Cajun food, and Pastor Tyron's Cajun, and then my friends are Cajun, and Turducken is from God, it's from the Holy Ghost, and it's got like Cajun goodness up inside of it, and the devil stole mine. Throw my Turducken in the trash. Merry Christmas. But then one of my friends from Louisiana sent me a new one this week. So the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Are you with me? That's all good. Don't send me a turducken. I can't, I can't, I can't hold it anymore. But anyway, <laughs> it's like that's what happens though, right? We're trying to set all this up. We're trying to make it all right. And there's always the Christmas problem. And then we've got all these people coming to our house, you know. Hopefully none of my relatives watch me online. But let's be honest. You gotta have these events with these people that you would never choose to have dinner with. I'm sorry, y'all can edit this from the tape, but anyway, it's like. And then they come to your house and you're all trying to get along and then you're trying to set up the moment and you're going through all these things and all we're looking for is we're looking for peace in the areas that we really care about. Jesus' story of Christmas has family members. It has complications. It has Christmas chaos. 
But Jesus' birth announcement in Isaiah 9 says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And one of the promises of Christmas is he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so in John 14, Jesus continues with that narrative as he's about to leave his disciples and he again comes back to this peace thing. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. This is a real brain shifter thing for us because most of us in our personalities are trying to control the situation, fix it, set it up, create the right moment, have it all right. If we can get it just right, then we'll have peace. But Jesus says, you can't produce this kind of peace. You can't manufacture this peace. It's a gift. My peace, I give to you. You have to receive it. And then I love this. He says, I don't give like the world gives. Oh, the world gives you like a temporary peace, a, a peace that's a feeling, a peace that maybe is somehow manufactured that requires a certain setting or a certain set of factors, and it requires your, your mother-in-law or your father-in-law to say the right stuff at Christmas. It requires everybody to behave. It requires you not to lose your turducken. He says, look, I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why do we have to not let them be troubled? Because that's where they go. That's where they end up. You don't have to try to let your heart be troubled. Why are many, many people struggling through, through Christmas with a mild grade depression? Kind of, man, I just, ah. Or maybe you have a real serious, just like, man, you're just gloomy. You just, just don't know what's off. Well, he says this, your heart will head toward being troubled. But he says this, do not be afraid. I, I, I wanna read it to you in the Amplified. I don't do this a lot, but the Amplified has commentary. And so I don't, want, I, I don't wanna necessarily make the comments scripture. I read to you from the scripture, but sometimes it's good just as an added thing. And I thought this might be good, just some of the comments made in the Amplified Bible because they're so practical. Peace I leave with you, my Perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You know, this week I had just, you know, interactions and different people saying last week the message, it just, it just really hit where I was at, you know? I know when I was sharing last weekend, it's just like, you know, I could, you can just sometimes feel it when you're preaching. It's just like, man, was he at our house? Man, we, we need peace in our lives, you know? And, and I was talking to a friend of mine about my message, and, and, and this is someone that I really respect, but they've gone through a lot of challenges. And he's like, what are you preaching on? And I started sharing with him and he had some real challenge. He, he lost a child in a, in, a, in a terrible accident. He's walked through some things. And I, and I, and I just said, you know, talk to me about, like, like how have you maintained your peace through the things you've been through? Talk, I'm preaching on that. Just, just give me something, you know? And, and, and he said this, which I thought was very powerful. He said, here's what I've learned that sometimes Jesus calms the storms in our lives. Sometimes he calms the storms, but sometimes he calms us in the storm. I said, man, I'm gonna take that. 
and act like I invented that phrase. I'm going to grab that and absolutely steal that because I thought, that is so true. Isn't it so many times you're like, Jesus, when are you going to touch my husband? When are you going to change my child? When are you going to fix the situation? I've been praying about it. I've been fasting about it. Lord, when's it going to happen? One lady said last weekend, she's like, it's hard to have peace when you're the only Christian in your home. I was like, wow. I thought, man, I agree. I agree, that would be very challenging. You're like, I come here, I feel God's presence. Pastor Jeff, you're preaching on peace. But then I have to go back to my house where I'm the only one that's a follower of Christ. And I thought, wow, wow. That means you have to have supernatural peace. And I'm sure this lady has prayed for her family. And here's what I've learned sometimes with Jesus. It's like, he's never early on my prayers. Anybody living the same life I'm living? It's like he's always on time, but maybe sometimes there's a delay in what's happening because he's teaching us how to have his peace, even in the storm. Jesus would take his disciples into these storms and they would be, ah, and he would be napping. He would be napping, why? Because he's the prince of peace. And the good news is it's not a concept, it's not a feeling, it's not a theory, it's based on a person, and that person is Jesus. And if you bring Jesus to your house, the storm may still be present, but he can calm you in the storm. We're at all different levels right now with this. I said it last week, but I wanna say it again. Some of us, just peace is a little clouded or distorted. Maybe at McKinney, maybe at Hazlitt, maybe you're watching online and it's like, I, it's just a little distorted, you know? It's like, I, I, I'm just a little off. There was a lady who sent in a message on our Facebook messenger to our church account and our team shared this with me. And she said, I put it in the inbox because I didn't want to put it on the public page, but I'm not giving her name. So I'm not just, you know, messing up her desire to be somewhat private, but it's so good, I got to tell you. And I would say if this lady would, would, would share you know, sharing this, you, you put it in the private deal, but you're, you, you, you have a lot of things that relate to all of us. Here's what she said. Me and my husband had tension on the way to church. Come on now. Everybody's like, yeah, been there. Not the pastor, but y'all who are sinners. I mean, the kids choir can cause a divorce. Did you get their socks? What is she wearing? Are you kidding me? Who combed her hair? Oh, what a, ah! Then it's like, hallelujah, Christ is born. Merry Christmas. She said, we had tension on the way to church and we've had some tension and they've been married a long time. And last week when I was praying over peace in the home, her husband reached over and put his hand on her knee and she said, here's what I knew he was saying. We're in this together, let's get back to that place, let's have peace. That's always my desire when we gather is that God's presence comes, changes us, moves us into action because if peace is a little clouded or distorted, you just gotta get back to that person, Jesus, who brings peace. Some of us have had peace in the past, but it's gone. 
And there's a, a psychologist that writes on marriage and family that gave the statistic. I've not really researched whether the statistic is absolutely accurate, but this person who wrote on this said 88% of the time when peace is gone in a home, when there's a major marital challenge and difficulty, 88% of the time, the person who's thinking about leaving has decided this isn't gonna work, I'm giving up on the whole thing. 88% of the time, the other person doesn't even know. I see that as a pastor. I don't know if 88% is right. It's a staggering statistic. But did you know, I've experienced that as a pastor. I've had so many people come say, I don't know what happened. Isn't that amazing how we're passing each other in the night with all our busyness and activity and don't even know that the person that we're living with is in that level of distance and separation and those people at work that are agreeing with them to leave the relationship have louder voices than we do. And it's just the enemy dividing, dividing, dividing. Let me say this, let me say this. We have to stay close to Jesus and close to one another because the world today that we live in is very toxic to family relationships. Every message is about me and I and get yours and do it your own way and everything messaging us is moving us to a prize that's really away from the thing we care about the most. And so we have to, if we've lost that peace, I wanna say to someone, I said it last week, ask for help. Reach out, reach out to a pastor, reach out to a small group leader. If it's been lost, the good news is you can get it back because it's based on a person and Jesus wants to come in. Anytime we welcome him, he brings reconciliation, he brings healing. But some have a total absence of peace. Did you know maybe somebody listening to me, wherever you're at, you may be like, I don't know about that. I don't know how to get that. All of my peace has been based on what I buy or what I take or what I drink or where I go or what atmosphere I'm at. If I've ever had any peace in my soul, it's been totally external. I've never had it internal. By the way, when you surrender to Jesus, this is one of the things that I'm still amazed by. It's instant he lifts weights off of you. That's right. <laughs> Amazing, you say, Jesus, I surrender to you, come in my life. Boom, it's like, wow, I feel lighter. It's amazing. I prayed with a guy this week, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and son-in-law who got married a year ago, they're, they're moving back home to Keller. They've been in Oklahoma, and, and God can't bless people in Oklahoma. <laughs> he just can't. I mean, his, his arms are just not that long to reach into the, that kind of forsaken place, and so they, they had to come back to Texas, right, to have the hand of God on them. And so my daughter is moving in stuff, and she calls me and says, Dad, they're dropping off something at my house. Can you go in the morning and be there? Because I got ba ba ba, And you don't do that for anybody else. I'm, I would, I'm not doing that for you. <laughs> but when your daughter calls, you just drop everything and go do it. So I'm standing around. You know, they're like, we'll be here between 7 and midnight. <laughs> I'm like, could we get a more accurate time of some sort? Because, you know, so I'm just kind of... Stand around. Then these guys pull up and they got Hannah's delivery and they get out and they're like, hey, is this your house? I'm like, no. I'm just here as a representative of my daughter. And they're like, good, you know? And he goes, well, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor, so I only work on Sunday, so I'm free to do whatever <laughs> errands 
that my, that my daughter needs me to do or my wife. I'm basically a gopher for them all week and I just talk on the weekend. <laughs> so this guy goes, you're a pastor? He said, would you pray for me? I said, man, I, I'm a professional prayer. I know how to do that. And so I just began praying for him and I just started praying for his family. Here's the deal. You don't have to be that spiritual or a pastor to know people have struggles there. And as I started praying for his family and started praying for his home life and relationships, I just started praying for him when I'm preaching to you. He started crying. He started weeping. He's like, I really needed that, Pastor. So I gave him the stream. Maybe he's watching. I said, you need to watch the message this weekend. Because a lot of people would say, I'm over here with a total absence of peace. I have no idea how to even get to what you're talking about because we think we have to get to it. We don't know or understand, even for a lot of us that have heard messages and read the Bible, we don't really know what that word peace means. Last week, I took you through the concept of the Old Testament word for peace, shalom. Now, if you have any understanding of Hebrew culture, you might think that this is like hello, because that's how they greet and talk, shalom. You know, you might just think that's a, a greeting of some sort or just a spiritual word, but that word shalom, peace, literally means to fill holes in a wall. It's to fill the gaps. I shared with you last week that it's not just a concept, it's actually a verb that means to make complete. So where there's a debt between individuals, it's not just repayment, it's overpayment. So when you get Jesus's peace, it's always better than you even thought. You know, if you bring Jesus into your marriage, Jesus into your parenting, Jesus into your home life, he'll do more than meet the requirement. It'll be bigger than you possibly know. Shalom is more than the absence of conflict. It's to bring wholeness and reconciliation. I shared with you that last week, but now I wanna take you into the New Testament word for peace. It's arene, arene. The concept of New Testament. Shalom is a picture, but Irene is really based on the personhood of Jesus, and it's, it's more substantive, if you will. And, and that's why in Ephesians 2.14, the Bible says, he, Jesus, he himself is our Irene. He is our peace. What's the Bible telling us? the full fulfillment of the types and pictures that the Old Testament gives, Jesus is the full fulfillment of all of that. You're like, why is that important? Because Jesus comes to bring peace to us and reconciles us to himself. We now have Jesus that goes with us and he can reconcile the relationships and the problems and the challenges and restore things in our homes and do things that we don't know how to do he can show up and do them in our lives. Colossians 1.20 says, and through him, I'm talking maybe to somebody, maybe online, maybe in Hazlitt, wherever you're at, or maybe listening to me right now, you believe there's a relationship in your family that's not reconcilable. Well, if peace is only a concept, if peace is sort of a ethereal feeling, then that could be the case, but if it's based on Jesus, the word of God says this, through him to reconcile to himself all things. Jesus has the ability to reconcile all things. 
He has whether things on earth or things in heaven. Why? Because he made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Because he can reconcile us to himself, he can also reconcile us to each other. Let me give you a thesis thought for a minute because I think we attack this lack of peace problem from the wrong perspective. I, I, even this guy who, who just is willing to ask a pastor to pray for him and doesn't really have a framework or whoever they are, here's what I find. Everyone wants the peace of God. Everyone wants the peace of God. But the only way to have the peace of God is to have peace with God. You have to have peace with God. You're like, why am I trying to create peace in my home but everything I do is not working? Then maybe there's something you need to back up and go, maybe it's in your perspective of the way you relate to God. You want the peace of God in the relationship, but peace with God is where you find that peace flowing through you to a greater degree. How do we experience peace with God? Well, a lot of us, again, think peace comes from what we do, what we manipulate, what we control, what we focus on, what we, we think that if I am in a place where I'm doing the right things for God, then I'll be blessed by God, and if I'm not or missing it somehow, then I don't have it, and so we don't understand the message of the gospel. The God, so we say, well, are you having a good day or a bad day? Here's the good news about Jesus. He came on your worst day. He came to you on your worst day and brought peace in the relationship with you and him. When you surrender to him, he reconciles you to himself. And now you have peace. So, so, so you say, make that real practical, Pastor. When you surrender your life to, have you really surrendered to Jesus? Have you surrendered your home to Jesus? Because you can want all day long for all this reconciliation and peace, but if you're not right with God, you don't have the ability to deliver it. Let me make it real, real, real simple. If you don't have a short account with God, it's hard to have short accounts with everybody else. When you feel like you got a long list of account problems with God, you keep a long list of accounts for everybody else. So you have to have the peace with God to have the peace of God. Now let me make it real practical. How do we experience this peace of God in our relationships? I love this verse, Colossians 3.15. This one's powerful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know what that word rule means? Let peace get the trophy. Let peace be the trophy. Let peace be the target. Let peace, let peace rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Everybody wants to get the trophy. I haven't given you an update on our pastor's fantasy football league in a while and I know many of you are interceding deeply for me and I just want to report that I'm at the top again. Why? Because God's hand's on me. And God's not going to let them win. He's just not, because it would get them in pride, and then that would, and so, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, when you go to fantasy football, you can click on there, and you can look at your profile, and it says, trophies won. And you know what? I like to look at that sometimes, because I have a lot of trophies won. Everybody wants the trophy. Let's make the trophy. This is important. What's the trophy in your house? Peace. When you make the trophy, what you give to them, or I did this for you, I'm do we love people a lot of times through the lens of, here's what I did for you to show you love. 
It's why moms, dads provide things for their kids and then they have kids that are all upset and mad and whatever and you're like, I did all this for you. And they're like, but I just want you. I don't want what you did for me. I want you. Let me, let me, parents, let me say this. This is so important. Young families, wherever you're listening, get this. Worry more about the heart than the exteriors. You would rather them be a little uncool You'd rather them maybe not get the scholarship. You maybe them not be the best player. You might miss a little bit on do all of these things so that you present well and can have a great future. Care about the heart. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with your siblings? Do you have peace with your parents? Does your heart fill with peace, not is it filled with striving to get to the things that I think will actually make you have a great life? There's a lot of people that have all those trophies and are miserable. Peace. Let peace be the trophy. Let peace be the trophy, which demands that maybe I have to shift what my focus is So we don't look for affirmation, identity, or peace from other people. That's really the root. How do you bring reconciliation? The only way you can bring reconciliation is you're receiving peace and affirmation and your identity from Jesus, and because that's where it comes from, you have the ability to give it away. Let me get right here in the last few moments. I'm gonna, we're gonna actually pray over your family wherever you're at. We're gonna have a big prayer moment, but before I get to the prayer moment, let me just give you a few real practicals because I know you like some just practical stuff. This is group therapy, okay? I just thought I would do kind of group therapy for a second. Here's some advice I would give you on a practical level. Number one, prioritize being righteous over being right. The Bible says in James 3 that I told you last week that where strife and envy exists, there's every evil work. And so a lot of times we want the other person to understand that they're not right to such a degree that we create strife and envy and we're not able to have peace. So it's more important to have the righteousness of God than to win the argument sometimes if it's an irrelevant subject. As you go into Christmas, as you begin to affirm others and don't get engaged in the argument about politics, don't get engaged in the things you do, then what you're doing is you become a carrier of peace. Here's one that I think is so good. Think point of view. This will help you in your parenting. This will help you in your marriage. This will help you if you manage people. Here's the Here's a phrase we use in our our English language, point of view. What does it mean? When you're looking from your point of view, It's hard sometimes for people to see it from God's point of view. I deal with this as a pastor. I have to think about your point of view, but sometimes I also have to tell you, wait, 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 wait. I know you are thinking about everything through the lens of how it affects you, but sometimes as a pastor, you have to be like, hold on a minute. Let me give you a little larger point of view. So healthy relationships are able to see it from the other person so you can pull your chair around and be like, I see it from your point of view. Then you can use phrases. I think these are powerful phrases like, I hear you say. I understand how you could feel that way. I hear you saying. By the way, we think in marriage and parenting and family, the number one word is I'm sorry. That's a good one. But I would think this one right here is a big one. I hear you say. Because what gets someone in that category of 88% is they feel like I'm not even being heard. I can't get there. There's no chance 
to even get you to even understand what I'm struggling with or where I'm at. I hear you say, and there's now like master classes and people teaching on this all the time and conflict management. Look, we're biblical Christians. We, the Bible right here will help you prefer others, the one another's of the New Testament, let peace rule. I mean, I appreciate all the tips and techniques, but why do we say to someone, I hear what you say? Because the Bible teaches us to esteem others more highly than ourselves and to prefer them. Move toward win-win outcomes and avoid conversations that are win-lose. Here's James 3.18, I love it. Remember last week? We're not just peacekeepers, we're peacemakers. Peacemakers are those who are avoiding not the things we don't want to address or just avoiding conflict, but avoiding in our own hearts the things that create strife and envy. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is a concept it works in family, marriage, and that is every time you sow in peace, every time you sow to even understanding their point of view, you're putting change in the relationship. Are you sowing to the right things? If you have a kid, sometimes that means doing something that's outside of what you enjoy and not loving them through the lens of the way you think. Well, you should be grateful. I'm loving you this way. And they may just want quality time or you may have to get outside of what you view in the relationship and sow to peace. As you sow, you reap in your spouse's relationship. Sow to the love language in the way they receive love. Sow to peace and you reap a harvest of righteousness. The final thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. On your way in, you got a card at every location. Because I want you to also know right here in these final moments, I want you to know you can try to learn, you can grow, you can let God do things in you and you should. Because God always wants to start with us. In every situation, you can be a carrier of peace no matter what the circumstance is. It's not based on external circumstances, it's based on you. But we are fighting a real spiritual battle. We're fighting a real spiritual battle. The most mature ones among us are gonna have the enemy come to rob the peace of our homes and lives, and so that's why we understand we fight not against flesh and blood, but there is a fight against principalities and powers and rulers and dark places, and we, we gotta learn to pray. Here's one of my favorite verses, by the way. I had a friend of mine that I text this to this week that was going through a challenge. I just text this verse. If someone says, man, I'm really struggling, this is my go-to right here. This is a go-to verse. If you struggle with anxiety, if you don't have peace at your house, you need to put this one on your mirror and you need to quote it every single day. Do not be anxious about anything. Man, the Bible's so challenging. You're like, is that real? Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. If you've never experienced that, my heart and prayer and desire would be that you would experience that verse. When in the storm, you have peace. Transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Now I know a lot of you are like, pastor, I'm supposed to pray? It says here, bring my request to God, prayer and petition. I don't even know how to pray over my home. I don't know how to pray over my family. So I always love to make it practical for you. And that's why I gave you that card and you can take that home. And I have scripture references for every one of these prayers. You're like, what do I pray? Pray the word. Every time you're praying the word, you're praying the will of God. So just pray the word over your family. Pray it over your kids. Pray it over your prodigal. Pray it over your family. Pray it over your mother-in-law. Pray it over your crazy uncle this Christmas. Pray the word. We're gonna pray it together right now. It's not gonna be me reading you. We're We're just gonna pray it together. I have the words on the screen. Are you ready? We're gonna pray it together. One, two, three. Jesus. Hold on now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all act like you don't have any problems. You gotta pray a little harder. Are y'all ready? I need a little more, I need a little more participation. Anyone who has no problems doesn't have to pray. But for the rest of us, we're gonna pray with all our heart. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus, I believe that in you I have peace. A peace big enough to overcome whatever trouble I face. Father, you said you will keep in perfect peace those who trust in you. You promise that your people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, and in undisturbed places of rest. I receive that promise today. Father, I know it's your desire, so I'm asking that every member of my family would be saved. Help my family to make every effort to live at peace with one another and to be holy. Help us to forgive one another, even as you have forgiven us. Help my children to honor their father and mother so they may receive the promise of a blessed and long life. As a household, we commit to serve the Lord. Lord, I'm asking for the peace of Christ to rule in my heart and my home because this is how you've called me to live. Finally, I choose not to be anxious about anything. Instead, I'll bring my worries and needs to you because you promise when I do this with thanksgiving, Your peace, which is beyond what I can understand, will guard my heart and mind. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen and amen. I want you just to bow your heads and I wanna pray a final prayer over you. If you're listening to me, wherever you're at, listening to this message, you can't have the peace of God without having peace with God. And if you're not right with him, but you're like, I I don't know why everything is so stirred up, you have to have peace with God. So right where you are, you just need to say, Jesus, I surrender to you, I give you my life, I give you everything. And as you surrender to him, he becomes Lord and Savior and takes over the reins of your life. And you just say, Jesus, I give it all to you, I believe you died for me, you rose from the dead. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know come to Discovery 101, maybe at the end of the service, come forward at any location and let God do an amazing thing to help you start on that journey. But second of all, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we'll let peace rule. That as we have peace with you, we bring peace into every situation. Lord, we bring forgiveness, reconciliation. The promise of Christmas is not more chaos and activity, but it's peace ruling and reigning in our hearts. I pray for every home, marriage, single adult, family, extended family, children that people are praying for. Lord, we thank you today that you're at work. You're at work in us, and you're at work in the earth and in the things we care about. In Jesus' name, amen.